This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. Homesdale Radio Preview Podcast. Crowdfunded by Palace fans for Palace fans. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Homesdale Radio Preview Podcast, Season 2, Episode 5. I'm your host, Terence Ford of BellandBlueArmy.co.uk, and along with Nick Philpott and Ed Kellaway, we are back, like Damien Delaney in first team training, to build you up to Roy Hodgson's opening game as Crystal Palace manager. Yes, a lot has changed since I last invaded your ears. We'll be discussing Roy Hodgson in depth when we are joined by Twitter legend Carl Davies and Fulham fan and South London Press's sports editor Richard Corley. We'll also discuss boycotts, predict the future, alongside previewing the Southampton fixture. But for all of that, head over to hrlradio.net forward slash subscribe to ensure that you never miss another whole radio podcast. Yes, so... Um, We've sacked a manager. We've got a new one, and it's it's only been a week since um, I last spoke to you guys. Uh, Nick, you you did the um, what, what was it? The sack the sacking show is that what we're calling it? Extra pod. The extra pod. Mm. Well, I was going to gonna... do the, I was going to do this one as well, but I've got to go now because I've done the last four. So apparently, we do four and then we get kicked out the door. You know, that's how yeah, it works. I'm going to sack you if you don't talk into your microphone properly. I'll tell you that much. Oh, can you not hear me? That's much better. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so no, I thought you guys did a very good job. Um, I thought the uh, callers in was excellent. Really enjoyed that show. So well done to everyone involved in that one. And Ed, first preview pod of the season? It is debut for the season. Debut. Um, you had some trouble getting home from work? Uh, yeah, off late from work as usual, but I'm here. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready. Roaring to go. Um, you wasn't on the sacking show, Ed, so little brief overview of how you feel about the De Boer sacking? Uh, at the time, I was, this is sort of ridiculous. And if it is purely on the results, the four games, the fact that we've lost the opening games, and that was it. It was just the fact that, you know, it's a change of style, then he would need more time. But if the rumours that it sort of alienated and pissed off certain players and had almost lost the dressing room, then I don't think he's going to, he was going to turn it around, was he? So it's, you know, if you're going to do it, may as well do it now. Why wait till 10 games in just so it's 
not that we've sacked a manager so soon, but 10 games in, if we keep going the way we are, then we're in a real trouble. So if what's coming out of the club is true, then it's, it's probably it was going to happen at some stage. And he got criticised heavily for taking too long to get rid of Pardew. He's gone so almost the opposite with this one. But <laughs> Yeah, I definitely think it was a damned if you do, damned if you don't there, um, if it was just based on results, um, which obviously I think is very clear that it wasn't based on results. I, I must admit I'm very uncomfortable that our players have once again strapped and um, got rid of someone. I think it would have done well for some of them to be out of their comfort zone for a for a period of time, including including Parrish. Um just because De Boer is a weirdo or difficult to get along with, it doesn't mean that he isn't Frank De Boer and knows an awful lot about football and his man management skills might have been a bit off. But um, I think there was evidence for all to see in that Burnley game that there were certain players on that field that were playing better football than they've ever played in the time that I've seen them at Palace. So I think things were starting to finally get over. But alas, they have deemed that it is not the case and he has gone. And... Um, Roy Hodgson is now the man. Uh, we'll talk about him uh, shortly. We'll have a couple of guests on to talk about that. Um, Nick, <laughs> I'm assuming it wasn't you that started these rumours of a boycott. I mean, to be honest, it's, it is, I haven't seen much about it at all and I don't think it's very serious. But uh, how do you feel about people boycotting? I'm well, only giving you, you a little bit of rope to hang yourself. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't do it too okay. much. If you think about my, my views on people leaving at half-time, right? <laughs> And <laughs> I don't have to say anymore, do I? I mean, everybody knows my views on people leaving at half time. If anybody was to boycott the club, okay, I can't even do this. I can't do this. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know exactly what my wife is. Talk about set me up for a fall, okay? He nearly Just, bit, didn't he? I nearly bit. I'm not going to do it. I'm, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's something over. It's, it's all smoke and mirrors. Uh, I've actually got somebody very close to the HF. In actual fact, they are actually very pleased with the appointment. Uh, so contrary to boycotting anything, I think they're going to be in full support of the manager, rightly so. Uh, I don't think there'll be anybody that I know of who will not go to the game because of the appointment, rightly so. And uh, I think our job, our duty this week is to do what we do best at Sellers Park and get behind the team. Yeah, and no, I agree. I think... Um... I think there might be the odd person who might not come to the game, and I don't think it's necessary you class it as a boycott, but I can certainly understand why people would be frustrated at the moment. Um, being Doing what I do in writing a blog and doing this podcast, it's been, very, it's been a very draining um, 10 days or so. So um, I can understand the frustrations of some fans, but I can't see there being any sort of boycott on a mass scale. Um, in other news, uh, in really good news, the Soiree had 90 minutes for the development squad. That's the Pap Soiree that um, is now Paolo Maldini, according to all of us in our heads, <laughs> because he's going to come back and solve all of our problems. But um, no, it's great to see him get 90 minutes. And Sacco as well also get some time in that game. Um, do you think, Ed, that either of those have a chance of featuring on the weekend? Uh, I think, what did Sacco play? 45 minutes the other day from yeah. the 23s, did he? I would hope we can get Sacco in with a, a lot of the time when players are coming in, they'll start them on the bench and then bring them on. I'd rather just see him start him. And if he can do only do 70, 80 minutes, then give him that rather than start him on the bench and then try and bring him on to plug gaps once we've already conceded. So if we can get him in, that'd be brilliant. Hopefully we'll go back to a four at the back. I think that's Hodgson's uh, sort of preferred formation of like a four, three, three um, yeah. and just 
firm us up a bit, um, make us a little bit more solid at the back. Mm, certainly. Um, just seeing reports that that Turkish striker we didn't sign in the transfer window has just scored. Um, <laughs> that'd be nice. <laughs> a goal. <laughs> imagine imagine that. Right. Um, we're going to end this section here. Very brief one today because I want to get tucked into talking about Roy Hodgson in the next section when we'll be joined, weird, easy for me to say, by Richard Corley and Carl Davies. There are 99 reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace. Right, we are now joined by Richard Corley of the South London Press and Carl Davies. I'm just calling you Twitter legend, mate. Is that all right? Twitter legend. I'll take that. <laughs> okay, good. You won't right, see uh, the abuse I normally get. I don't. It's not normally legend. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, you're great on there, I think. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, look, um, I've got you guys on because uh, Carl, who we'll come to in a little bit, um, attended every England game that Roy Hodgson managed. So I thought we could get some good insight from him. But first, Richard Corley, who's South London Press, has covered Palace in the past and is a Fulham fan. I feel like there's no one better, really, to talk to about Roy Hodgson and club football. So, Rich, thanks for joining, mate. No problems at all. So, um I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure people know a lot of, uh, you know, the basics, but how, how did he do it for them? Well, he did really, really well. I mean, I don't think you'll find uh, many Fulham fans that would have any kind of bad words to say about Roy Hodgson. Um, I mean, initially when he came in, uh, in sort of 2007, the, the team was badly, badly struggling. He didn't have a brilliant start, actually, and we did look pretty much doomed. But then we absolutely roared through right at the very end, including a pretty epic win at, at Man City. We were 2-0 down with 20 minutes to go, and uh, we won 3-2. And we basically had a, a win-or-bust scenario pretty much through those final five or six games, and it ended up with us staying up on the final day um, with Danny Murphy scoring a, a late goal at Portsmouth with about sort of 16... 15, 16 minutes to go. And from there, he just kind of settled it down. The following that summer, he kind of got some other players in, upgraded the side. And obviously, it led to us qualifying for um, for Europe. And I mean, the European season is absolutely... I mean, I, I still think it's probably the biggest achievement I've seen by a manager, considering that, you know, Fulham didn't have any world beaters in that side, really. They had some good, solid pros that you could kind of rely on. But... Uh, alongside playing our season started in July I think we played 62 games in total that season 18 of those in the Europa League and um, not only did we obviously get to the final where we eventually lost on, on uh, in extra time to Atletico Madrid who had Aguero and Forlan playing for him at the time but um, on top of that we finished I think it was 12th in the table on 46 points um, 16 clear relegation so and we didn't have a huge squad so it shows really how good he was. And I, I remember at that time um, saying, to my, saying to my dad, who's a, obviously a, a season ticket holder at Fulham, it just felt like he'd gone too high on the radar that he would stay with us because he'd done such a good job. And obviously that then led to him going to Liverpool. But I mean, the Liverpool situation, I'm not saying that he was the right man for it, but Kenny Dalglish was waiting in the background. Liverpool fans really wanted him back there as manager. And I don't think that helped Hodgson, even if... I'm not saying that necessarily was the reason he didn't, you know, that he, that he didn't manage to do well at Liverpool. But as a Fulham manager, I thought he was, you know, the team, um, the way it was set up, it would work hard, had a good shape. It was organised, you know, that all of the things you really need, he kind of had that there. And the football wasn't bad either. 
Mm. No, that's all really good stuff to hear. I mean, um, I, I don't think there's any doubts that Fulham at the time and Crystal Palace now are very similar clubs in very similar positions. So he's certainly got the experience that we should be looking for. Um, how did he go about it? What what sort of tactics formation would he go on with at Fulham? Well, he played he played either four four two or he played four two three one. So that was the kind of favoured formation. Um, and I mean, we had. Bobby Zamora, who obviously was leading the line um, a lot for Boom. us, Clint Dempsey. <laughs> yeah, Clint Dempsey. <laughs> Let's move on from that one, actually. Yeah, Clint Dempsey, obviously, played a Hangerland who uh, came to came to Palace a bit later, but at that time was a that was actually a signing made by Roy Hodgson at Fulham and a, a very good one. Mark Schwarzer in goal, you know, but we we didn't have necessarily people that we result on gear and players like that. It wasn't really players that. Damien Duff, they were players that were kind of picked up, they had good careers, but he just managed to get the right kind of system in place. And we had some amazing games, but obviously we beat Juventus um, at Craven Cottage after losing the first leg and uh, we won 4-1 um, at home. And I mean, that is an outstanding result. I mean, I've still sometimes watched back Finn Dempsey's goal from that game um, because it was just unbelievable. But so I just think that was the way he went about it. He kind of overturned, he overhauled the squad a little bit. Although to be fair, there were some signings made by Laurie Sanchez, who was there before that, that actually came through and helped deliver um, and, and, and actually play a part in it all. But if you look at that Fulham side in that final, it, it, they, they were good players, but not big, not massive stars. You know, we had Mark Schwarzer in goal. We just, we just had good, good professionals. I compare it to Palace now, really, that... You've got some very good players there under De Boer. They weren't, half the time, they weren't necessarily being played in their best position. So I don't really, I know there's been all these jokes about, oh, Ben Teke be taking corners and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, with the England situation, I, 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 you know, I'm not an expert on that. Obviously, Carl, Carl knows a lot more than me. But um, I think at Fulham, he just, he, everything he did, you could see there was a system and it worked. And it reminds me of, obviously, what Sam Allardyce would do and, what Tony Pulis has done over the years as well, really. But I, I think it's a little bit more refined. I think, I think he, he, you know, the football should, I think, not be too bad to watch. Okay. And you said he's um, earlier up in the piece, his legacy is that Fulham fans uh, will not say a bad word about him in the main. But in terms yeah. of the couple of years after that followed, how did his squad hold together? Was it, was it really bad news that he left or did it start to break down after that? I think actually, the, I think when it began to really break down, there was a couple of factors to it, really. I mean, one of them was that Mohamed Al-Fayed was looking to sell the... Well, I think he'd begun to get to the age where he didn't really want to invest the same levels that he had done before. So I think we had a, a sort of lack of spending uh, or, or a level of spending. And I think that began to erode away. We lost some players that were decent players for us. Um, it was actually, I thought, when we got a Dutchman in ourselves, Martin Yole, uh, I didn't really enjoy watching the football. It was very slow. We didn't have a lot of pace to us. Uh, we seemed to have a slow build-up that didn't get us behind teams. And I felt that was where the rot began to set in. And then, obviously, beyond that, we kind of everything just kind of fell apart um, straight after that because we had the disaster of all the different managers we had coming through, like Felix Magath and <laughs> René Mullenstein and all of that situation. So... But I think for a while after that, um, after um, Hodgson left, it actually kind of held together because of what he did. I mean, the other thing to mention, of course, is at West Brom, not that I'd seen, I, have, I can't comment on how they played at West Brom, but I think I'm right in saying that they finished 10th um, in the Premier League, which was their highest position at that point, you know, that they'd finished. So 
he is somebody that I know people will talk about certain failings elsewhere, but at the kind of size clubs, a good Premier League football club, he tends so far, it seems, to flourish. So I think, but to my, when I went to France, when I went to De Boer's uh, press conference in the summer, it just didn't quite feel right. I didn't think it would work out. And I said at the time, I thought that Hodgson would have been a good fit if he doesn't necessarily seem that spectacular. And obviously now that's where, that's where we are. And I, I, I think it's a really, really good appointment. Yeah, OK. Good to hear. Um, let's move on to Carl now and um, his time at England. Uh, his legacy, unfortunately, is going to be the Iceland loss. Um, but you, you've talked a lot about how you don't think that's fair. Yeah, look, look Terence, you're, you're right. He will always be remembered for that fateful night in Nice and an abject performance and his net performance. And I can't help but think, you know, Steve Parrish was in the crowd that night. You can only imagine the conversations he had had with Roy over the summer and even over the last month will be talking through what happened there. But for all of that one game, for every one Iceland, there's seven or eight or 10 or 20 other games that reflect the Roy Hodgson that we saw through West Brom and through Fulham and previous jobs overseas. You know, I, I can only endorse what Rich said. You know, it, it, it was a 4-2-3-1. It was injected with pace. He played with wingers, be it Sterling. I know we all wanted Zaha, but you know, it it, it was it was Sterling down one side. He he put it in. He injected pace in at the at full back position. You know, he brought in Danny Rose. He brought in Carl Walker. Again, most Palace fans were going to me and Nathaniel Clyde, but he he wanted to transition the ball really quickly. And you know, you look back and go, what's Hodgson about? I'd go back to any Palace fan and go, you know what? Go and watch the highlights or the video of. England away at Switzerland, which was one of the qualifiers. At the time, Switzerland were ranked about seven in the world. They were the number one seed out of our group. We were second. We went there. We just soaked up pressure and hit them on the counter, hit them on the counter, hit them on the counter, hit them on the counter. And, you know, you had these two defensive midfielders, you know, Dyer came in. He, he, he just gets teams blimming well organised. And, you know, on the pitch, you looked at it and went, after what we'd had previously as manager, you go, you know, at least he knows what he's doing in exactly the same way as, you know, I think we could say, you can't say with well, Sam with his England crib, you can say Sam with Palace or Pulis with Palace. They know what they're doing. They were just really, really well organised. Yeah. Um, I think the big, you know, you, you, you would have seen me mention it on Twitter. I mean, it's a, the biggest thing that's, you know, he'd been remembered for the, the Nice thing. And, and ultimately, therefore, he'd be classified as failure. And, 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 you know, and probably rightly so. But the biggest thing that he did, it, it was, was about, is, is Roy Hodgson the person? And you, I, you, know, you just don't hear players slag him off. You hear happy training grounds. They enjoy the experience. You didn't hear England players dropping out. They didn't want to turn up. You know, they, they were there. You used to hear that under Capello. You used to hear that under Ericsson. You definitely heard it under McLaren. You know, they, kept, they wanted to be there. He made them feel good. But I'll tell you what, as a fan, it was just amazing. You know, every city you would go to, you'd be in. Day of the game, Hodgson would be walking around. And uh, you used to get, you know, Capello would take them off up there. He'd walk around, he'd talk, he'd explain stuff. You'd see them, you know, you'd bump into the England team in airports and stuff like that. He'd come over and talk with fans. He, he made himself accessible. It was lovely. Mm. And I think that's very important at the moment with the sort of breakdown that's happening across the club and the fans at Palace. It's a very key time, I think, with the togetherness that we had for the first few seasons in the Premier League. is certainly starting to waver and to have a man like that in charge yeah. could certainly help it. 
Well, I, I think I think the I think there's a, a real uh, there'd be a real, real subtle benefit to having Hodgson at the Palace at the moment. Uh, he he, it's not about him. He, mm. He's a selfless person. We won't see him playing his agendas out through the press or through favourite media sons leaking stuff in the <laughs> same way as we know that happened with Pulis. Christ Almighty. He was, he was horrific at it. And we know that happened with Sam. You just won't be that. It won't be about them taking all the praise and them blaming everybody and them playing this stuff. You know, it will be, he'll be a level of in the background and, mm. and it, he'll pull them together. And I hope, hopefully he'll pull us together. You know, the mo- you know, this, this is, these are all easy things to say if, if you beat Southampton, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> yeah. zero points after zero points after eight games and, and it'd be right under it. But, you know, it's it's he's he, he he's not an ego. It's not about him. And again, if you sp- I, you know, I spoke with a fair few Fulham fans and a couple of West Brom fans from England, and you know the West Brom fans I know who when he got the England job were going, do you know I don't know if he'd take us to the World Cup final and it'll win us trophy, but I do know I think he'd bring the best out of these players, and we're all you know it'd be a happy camp. Mm. You know it was, you know, but it was you know ultimately it didn't have the end any end success. You know, come you know the final in Paris, etc. Yeah, he's not the first, he won't be the last on that sense. And on one no, final no, thing no, you no, did no. say on Twitter that um, I, I thought was really important was being streetwise behind the scenes, which is yeah. obviously very a very good attribute to have if you're going to be managing at Palace. Yeah, look, I'd like to be, be really, really clear. And I, I, I you know, I've, I, I end up in a few football clubs through through work and bits and bobs, and you hear his name mentioned the whole time. He knows he knows how to navigate football, and he knows how to lead upwards. There's no doubt about that. You you don't see Roy Hodgson being sacked from clubs. You don't see him falling out of owners. He he gets on with broadly everybody. He's liked. You don't you, re- you know, probably Dalglish aside, everybody he's got on with. I, I again I, I he's he. He's got one simple task at the palace. That's what it is. This isn't the five-year plan, publicising other fanzines and podcasts. Uh, <laughs> but you know, this, this is this isn't what he's about. Mm. He's there to get us 38 points from the next 34 games, and he will set them up. He will have them united. You know, he will, you know, go back to it. Uh, Townsend. Is, is not, I know for a fact Townsend is nothing but a fan of Hodgson. He felt like he gave him a good chance. He, no, he's really loyal. You know, that may, you know, again, you go back to it. Milner made a lot of England squads because he gave 100%. He worked blimmin' hard. He never let Hodgson down. And by the same token, Hodgson brought him in and kept him in. Now, I expect to see us a real hard-working Palace team, but I expect to see a real happy club and behind the scenes. And, you know, I think, it, I think, I think, I, I assume the owners will go, I trust you to get on with it. Mm. But, you know, in all of it, it come back down to it. He's got one job. This isn't about next season. This is keep us up this year, Roy. Yeah. Okay. So, Rich, um, with all of that, do you, do you think he can, can succeed in SE25? Yeah, no, I think he definitely can. I mean, obviously, he was much more up against it at Fulham at one stage and still still came through. And I think just the principles he's got and the kind of hard work and, like Carl said there, the kind of work ethic he expects from players alongside the quality. I just think that, um, you know, it's going to... I can't see any reason why Palace won't stay up this season. I'd expect them to stay up with, with him at the helm and, and maybe maybe even do better, but, you know, higher than that. It's difficult to say that when you're sat here without a goal in the Premier League and, 
you know, without any points on the board. But I, I really think that. I mean, it's interesting for him. You know, he's 70 years of age, and obviously he's still got that drive and determination to want to go out there and prove something. I think it must probably upset him the way that um, the England thing kind of ended. And, uh, you know, to be to be at that age when a lot of people have kind of decided to go for an easier option uh, or maybe sort of wind things down, he's coming straight back into the fray with it. So I think behind this kind of guy that people think is quite... Uh, a gen- like a gentleman and he is I think there is a like real steel there to kind of sort of you know prove himself and, 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 and sort of do it all over again so I definitely think he'll do well and I, I'd echo as well that I think you know people like Andros Townsend and, and, and Wilf and people like that they're exactly the kind of players he's going to want and he's going to get the best out of so I think it all, it all bodes really well Okay and I suspect I know the answer Carl um Richard just said there that he won't be happy with the way England ended and that's just like our previous manager who's certainly not happy with the way England ended but with Allardyce coming out on TV and saying it so publicly that he was offered the job before Roy you you don't think that's going to affect him do you? No look I think he knows all of this look Roy let's let's, let's, let's be really realistic Roy knocked on the door of Palace to to express his interest in the job a number of times previously and you know and most definitely over the summer and didn't get it that's football that you know managed to go for a whole load of pieces sat within there i think any any manager coming into that role would have probably been disappointed in the palace owners if they hadn't have contacted an out of work manager who has never had a record of relegation prob- uh, uh, built a whole load of this squad and kept them up from a far tougher position. I think everybody would go to a different position was you go to Allardyce first. The fact that Allardyce didn't get it and now Roy's got it, I don't think that will bother him one little bit. Do you know, again, all he will care about now is he's in, it's his gig, he won't look to make excuses, he will just look to get that team being the best it can possibly be. And, and and he knows he's been brought in with a team. Again, let's be clear: the Sacco signings was nothing to do with Frank De Boer. He was bought for to play with four at the back mm. when De Boer had gone. And you know, I don't think there's any doubt going through the very short interview process this time. They'd be saying these are the players. You can't change too many of those in the next twelve months. This is the shape because we know we get the best out of them can you keep this team up? And he's Ibi, Ibi. Well, you know, I don't, you know, I've met him a couple of times. I've had, you know, a, a, a 90 minutes sat next to him before. I can only believe he'll have the confidence and belief in himself that he thinks he can. But I'll tell you what, I'll win against Southampton when I'll help. Yes, certainly will. Look, Richard and Carl, thank you so much for joining us. It was very informative and I'm sure the fans are going to love that. So, um, thanks very much, gentlemen. No problem. Thanks, guys. Cheers, boys. Yeah. All right, cheers. Have a good rest of the night. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Homesdale Radio Preview Podcast. Crowdfunded by Palace fans for Palace fans. Right, so brilliant stuff there from Carl and Rich. Um, just uh, really informative, uh, and I thought it'd be good to get a couple of fans on who have you know, seen and witnessed Hodgson firsthand. So um, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, now we're going to preview the um, Southampton game. Um, I think the formation is clear. It's probably going to be a 4-2-3-1, which is music probably to most Palace fans' ears. And uh, talking about getting the ball forward and liking to play on the counter. Um, you, you happy with that, Nick? Of course we are. They're playing to our strengths. Do you know what? It's actually a very difficult one to a lineup to be able to call. I was trying to take some notes down for Phil Potts' Palace prediction for this week. And it's really hard because we don't know whether Zaha is going to be available. We don't know that Riedeval is going to be available. We don't know that Sacco is going to be available. And on top of that, you just added in the possibility of Pat Suarez being in the squad uh, or certainly playing 90 minutes. So it's a really tough one to call. But formation-wise, it's got to be 4-2-3-1, yeah. Yeah, I think um, it is a tough one. I think we can assume Zaha is not going to be available having training videos come out today and there's he's, he's not in any of those i know he's running again but i'm sure he's still a couple of weeks maybe three weeks away from um getting fit do you want to throw him in against city and united away um where he's gonna have to take a lot of the ball and stuff i think you might as well just let those games slide by let him get fit and then get him into the mix against chelsea at home um i don't know if that's a popular opinion or not but i just i'm I'm sick and tired of seeing him get kicked in the air and at the lights of City and United away. You're going to want him to carry the ball forward for you, so he'd likely get kicked a lot in those games. Um, but I think the, um, the big question for me, really, and uh, somebody on the BBS the other week said they liked me because my opinion's consistent, but my consistency is starting to waver a bit with Jason Punchon. And I think the big question is, what does Roy Hodgson do with Jason Punchon if all of our midfielders are fit? Ed, do you, do you think it's as before when Punchin walks in or do you think um, all bets are off now that Hodgson has come in? Uh, I don't know what Hodgson's going to do. I personally, if all our midfielders are fit, Punchin does not get in the team for me. He's been, I think he's been off off pace or not at his best for a while now. Um, it infuriates me a little bit watching him. Um, I think De Boer made it difficult for himself. He came in and made him captain like really early, didn't he? Whether that was to try and sort of win some fans over and stuff, but having named him sort of club captain, it's then odd if you don't, if your club captain's not in the starting 11. Your captain's got to be someone who's your first name on the team sheet every week Mm. if he's fit. And for me, with our current squad and the midfielders we've got, he's not. He's not. Um, I I can only say that I agree. I think at the moment he's, a, a rest will benefit him hugely. Um, maybe a little tweak in the formation where he plays and so on. I just, I don't think he knows where he is at the moment or maybe knows too much. Maybe there was too much on him from De Boer. Maybe he was the only one who got it. I don't know. There was, there's definitely something in the opening four games that, you know, of course there's, he hasn't scored for a while and the back end of last season, his form was, I would say up and down, but I don't think there's any, been any doubt in the last four games that um, his form's way off. Nick, we've probably done this to death, haven't we? Jason Punchin, for you, it's probably the same feeling, right? Well, yeah, there, there is also, the, isn't there some sort of uh, uh, friendship relationship? Didn't he bring, didn't the new manager bring him through at some, at some point? I don't know where he was, but I know there's some history between Punchin 
and the new manager. Um, I think I absolutely agree with what Ed just said, completely concur with it. Um, if everybody's fit and there is the availability, he needs a little bit of time away from the team. And I think he needs to be out of the squad. So, yeah, we've done it to death, but it's but it's reality. He's just not performing as he so, should be. So who's your midfield three, ideally, then, guys? Is it, Are we talking Milivojevic, Kabay and Ruben Loftus-Cheek? Yes, that is hands down our best three for the centre midfield, without a doubt. Yeah, I think um, me as well, Milivojevic and Ruben Loftus-Cheek sitting slightly deeper with Kabay in behind Benteke and up there with Townsend and Zaha is probably the ideal um, team you'd be looking at. Um, Nick, uh, Frank De Boer didn't really get a chance to play with that sort of lineup. Um, <laughs> do you reckon this is kind of similar to when Allardyce came in? I said it at the time. He's going to be, he's got basically an easy enough job on his hands because the players we've got starting 11 wise, if they stay fit, shouldn't really get relegated. So um, are you confident that Hodgson can maybe start picking up results as early as Saturday? Um, I mean, that's, that is probably our only opportunity to pick up points over the next four. Sell out to Man City away, Man United away, Chelsea home. Now, mm. I worry for I worry for the bloke a little bit, if I'm honest, because as a club, we've now just set a precedent, haven't we? We've just sacked the manager after four straight <laughs> defeats. Now, in my reckoning, if we lose the next four, Southampton, City, United and Chelsea, uh, we could be pointless by mid-October and he could mm. be looking for another manager. No, I don't. I don't I, that's not going to be the case, is it? Go on, Ed. You can you can finish him off on that one. There's, there's a that's like people that don't really follow Palace that just look at that and that's their crap. The crap they come out of on Twitter. There was a lot more. There was a lot more to it than the results, wasn't it? And I mean, the teams we've played are teams that are going to be in and around us at home and stuff. That you, they're just the ones you look at at the start of the season. Like when the fixtures came out, you're like, yes, Burnley. Um, Burnley away, you know, Huddersfield at home, Swansea at home. That's that's a nice little start to the season. It's a bit different to losing to United, City, Chelsea. So it's not going to yeah. be another new manager. We're not going to be doing another new manager show in four, yeah. four or five weeks' time. Well, I mean, you know, I've, Southampton is going to be what it is. Um, hopefully the new manager kick will get them going and we can get some points on the board there. Any point, a point would do, I think. Um, you never know. We've, ne- we've never scored in, in Manchester since we've been in the Premier League, in, the, in a Premier League game, because we did score in the League Cup at Man City. <sighs> God, I hate the Etihad. I can't believe I have to go there in a couple of weeks. <laughs> but, um, you know... We may we may scrape a draw at one of those places. You know, we've picked up results against Chelsea since we've been in the Premier League. So, you know, strange things happen. Um, but I think he's got a good enough squad there. I'm confident enough with him that he's going to um, do the business for us. And hopefully he can start on Saturday. Nick, it's about time Benteke scored a goal, isn't it? Got two okay. against them last year at Celeste. The thing you've got to understand is, again, I'll be back to the previous point about the, the manager, De Boer. I mean, he was unlucky in a lot of ways. And you've got to go back to the Liverpool game away and, and say, on, on any other given day, Benteke scores that goal, doesn't he? So, cut, yeah, that's just a, an accumulation of things what cost De Boer his job. Um, Benteke will score this Saturday. You heard it in Phil Potts' Palace predictions. Here you go. Benteke will score Saturday. 
And um, Ed, any chance that goal will be assisted by Lumeka? Is that is that how we're saying his name? Uh, I've no idea. I wouldn't have thought he's going to. We'll probably see him again for a little while, uh, unless we do have a horrendous shortage of. Well, we've already got a shortage of strikers, but unless we uh, <laughs> are really struggling. It was an odd one, I think, from De Boer. There was a few selections in the first few games that I really didn't understand. If he, you know, he's... I will say one thing for the maker. I thought his movement was excellent when he came on. He found yeah. himself in some good positions. He was tidy on the ball. He probably should have at least got his header on target when he got away, but... Um, He's not the tallest guy in the world. I don't think Headings his forte, but um, there's definitely promise there. And um, it's sort of a name that's come out of the blue for most Palace fans. And certainly him being on the bench and then getting on was certainly out of the blue. But um, hey ho, we shall see come Saturday early kickoff again <laughs> what, um, what Roy Hodgson will decide to do. Right. Uh, We'll finish it there and then we'll be back in a moment with some predictions. Homesdale Radio Preview Podcast. Crowdfunded by Palace fans for Palace fans. Okay, last week, new boy Sam Heskiff said 2 0 to Burnley. Nick Philpot and I both said 1 1s. So none of us were right there. Heskiff picks up a point for the 2 0. But Hambo for the second week running predicted correctly, saying 1 0 to Burnley. Um, this is a non, is it, Nick? No, I can't have quiz ambling sitting at the top of the table, can we? It just doesn't sit right with me. Quiz ambling. <laughs> He's doing well. <laughs> um, listener predictions this week. Uh, at Kempo88 has gone 2-1. Come on, you Palace. Some optimism there. Uh, <laughs> my friend Pasta, with Sagittarius rising in Uranus and the autumnal <laughs> equinox bringing its positive aura to your chi, the spirits have called to me. Nil-nil. So whatever that means, <laughs> Tim, <laughs> Tim Green has said, remember when everyone laughed at lesser rep- appointing Ranieri? Saturday is the first day of our title winning challenge. I'm not sure if uh, Mr. Green's being serious there or not. Ashley Hammond says 3-1 to Southampton with a Chungy hat trick. That's, um... <laughs> well, he's clearly on drugs. <laughs> and Mark Jones says nil three at half time. Hodgson is sacked. The Dugan Parish come on as player managers and we win 4-3. <laughs> He said on a serious note, a 3-0 win for Palace, which is very optimistic. Um, as we said, Hambo's got the last two right, uh, predictions right. So he's gone for a 1-0 Palace win this week. So get your bets on there. Um, I don't need to go for a spiel about betting what you can afford and all that. Lucy's gone for 1-1. Nick G has gone for 2-0 Palace. <laughs> oh, Nick G. Did we all see him on BBC London? <laughs> for those Comedy. Who had- Comedy quality, absolute comedy gold. Love you, Nick. For those who haven't seen, um, head over to the Homesdale Radio socials and you will see uh, Nick Gillard's awful fate on um, BBC London just as he was about to speak. Uh, the reception clearly froze. His face was stuck on national TV. And then, it, <laughs> and then they were back in the studio saying, oh, we don't know what's happened there. Bless him. Um, Patrick's gone for nil-nil. Um, on the socials, on Twitter... Uh, their options this week in the poll was Eagles take flight, steady the ship, or will this misery ever end? Um, Eagles take flight, 28%, steady the ship, 47%, and will this misery ever end, 25%. So, a draw favouring there. Ed, you're, how have you been doing on the predictions this year? You're still on zero points? Uh, it's not going well. The same way as my betting account looks. <laughs> <laughs> Nil point. 
Neil Fire. <laughs> okay, so what's your prediction for Saturday? Uh, I've been negative all, uh, for the first few games predictions, so I'm saying new manager bounce. It's a win for Palace. I'm saying 2-0 Palace, and I think it is a penalty from Luca and a Benteke header. Penalty would be nice. Just just get over that court. Mind you, yeah. the, pressure, the pressure on Luca if it's the first oh. one. <laughs> cool, yeah, calm and collected he is. Don't you worry. Big smile on his face as always. And um, Nick Philpotts, uh, come on. You need to get going this season. You were so good last year. I know. I need to pick one up here. So I'm going to go with a 2-1 victory. Um, it will be Benteke. And it will be somebody in the back four to score. They're, I'm actually going to go with a Riedeveld header. So Benteke and Riedeveld, 2-1. I've seen a lot of suggestions on Twitter that people don't think Riedeveld can actually jump. So um, it's going to have to be a, <laughs> it's going to have to be a stooped header. Um, um, I'm going to be I'm going to be positive this week, 2-0. I don't care who scores. I'll I'll take Fraser Forster own goals if that's what it's needed. Um, just anything to get the ball in the back of the net. Um, I think the new manager bounce will happen. I think everyone will feel a lot more comfortable in the four-two-three-one, having played it for God knows how long now. And um, Sellers Park will be back to its rocking best. Everyone cheering on the boys, and <sighs> we can all sigh some relief. Um, right now, we've got a message from the review show. So over to you, Hambo. Hi, this is Chris from The Review Show. I hope you're enjoying what you've heard from Terence, Tex-Mex as he likes to be called. Uh, I'm sure he's had some very interesting opinions on the show today, even it's our first reaction since the news that Roy Hodgson was appointed as Crystal Palace manager, of course, I'm sure he some fascinating things from, from old teabag himself. But uh, I, I don't know if Nick's on the show this week, but if Nick is, I'm sure Nick's saying some things that are causing people to insult him on the BBS, as always, as well. Uh, talking more rubbish is usually the accusation thrown at Mr. Mr. Phil Potts, but uh, it won't stop him. It won't stop him doing videos on Facebook Live to react to news in various different positions around his garden. I think if you put all those videos together, you can kind of map the exact sort of dimensions of his garden and parts of his house as well. So maybe that's a little something you can do in your free time if you're bored. Anyway, I think I've spoken for long enough now, so do join us on the review show. It's uh, usually on a Sunday at 8pm, and I think that is very much the case with regards to our review of Southampton on Sunday. So uh, join us for that, and continue to subscribe and download to everything that we do. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Nick, you um, in varying positions around your garden is more information I wanted to get from... <laughs> That little comment there. Um, it, 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 I don't know. Was there any pets this week in any of your videos? No, 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 we kept it. We kept it green tree in the background only over my left shoulder and no dog. Uh, glasses on or off? Oh mate, it's hard when you can't when you're as blind as that <laughs> one. Mate. You try, you're trying to read a script. Okay, well, as a script that I've handwritten out, my handwriting's not the best of the best of time. And then I've got my glasses on and off. Excellent stuff. Right. Um, it's come to an end. Thanks to Billiam for producing in the background there. Huge thanks to Rich Corley and Carl Davies for coming on to the show to talk about Roy Hodgson. Um, thanks, obviously, go to Ed Kellaway for your first one of the season. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. And, of course, Mr. Nick Philpott, thank you, as ever, for being my, my I want to say little sidekick. I'll say my old man sidekick. How about wingman? Wingman. <laughs> I'll be a wingman. Me, me and you again hit the bars. We'll, we'll hit crystals after the game on Saturday and um, you can wingman me there. Just don't <laughs> tell the missus. <laughs> yeah, right, mate. 
Right, okay, we'll be back next week. Until then, up the palace. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.